Welcome, welcome back to She Could Talk the Podcast. I'm your host, Colleen, hey, aka Gongly MC on Instagram if you want to know the music that we got popping. Colleen Eat Wings on Instagram if you want to see what we saucing and tossing. Also on TikTok, the original Gongly. We saucing, tossing, podcasting, rapping, everything over there. So go ahead and check us out. Or you can just keep it simple and go over to the website. That is www.doe records.com that's www.doerecords.com y'all you already know what it is how y'all doing it's a new week hey y'all here with me okay good all right this one might be very interesting to you all listeners here but i really wanted to get into this i really wanted to like kind of like not only share my opinion, but get you all's opinion on this. You know, like, what do you think? Am I reaching? That's how a lot of my episodes have been. Plus, I am going to, I'm coming back. I got a couple of urban, urban celebrity crime scene episodes for you coming up too. So don't worry. I ain't forget about that. I know you guys love that a lot. And y'all be like, what's up? What's up with the UCCs? But um, I got y'all. All right. So let's get into it. So lately I've been seeing that a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me women of color been taking L's in very high positions. And I don't know what that's about. I don't know what that's the precedence to either, but, um, I don't know how familiar you are. Cause it just really depends. I'm like a really, I'm into YouTube, right? Um, I feel like sometimes YouTube give you a different perspective on news and current events as well as music, entertainment as well, as well as I'm up there. She can talk to podcasts, Gongly MC. You can find that all on YouTube as well. So I know if I'm trying to think of a new recipe or get inspired by something, or if I'm trying to do something traditional, I'll go on YouTube and find it, you know? So YouTube is, they call it YouTube university, right? So there you go. So with that being said, in the last couple of weeks, I've noticed that a lot of podcasters have been talking about several women of color, or we can just say black women who are in high positions who are for lack of a better word, effing up. Okay. So we hear about Tiffany Henyard out in Illinois, in the suburb of Chicago. I forgot what the, the village is called, but it's a little village of um lower income black people on top of that and she is the mayor over there and she is not my words y'all this is the words of fox news and you know everyone else she is terrorizing that little village and getting away with it you know it's not don't come for me you guys that support this lady this is just i'm just kind of giving some insights here um, and I thought that was interesting, you know, they saying how like she has like a heavy police detail, like majority of the police basically protect her on a day-to-day basis and basically do security detail for her versus fighting crime, you know, and they say that there's a lot of, um, we all know, I'm not going to go into that just yet anyway, but you know, you hear about the migrants coming across the borders and being bused to places like Chicago and New York and Denver. Right. And, um, what happens after a while is they start spilling over into the sub suburbs or in this case, villages 
on the outskirts of the cities that they were originally bused to. So in this case, too, they're saying that they're seeing an increase in crime over there due to unexpected extra residents. You know, they're seeing a lot, an increase in homelessness, um, and they don't have enough resources to help them and to kind of keep the city afloat. Plus, they don't have enough cops because they're too busy securing the mayor. So I thought that was interesting. Then she did like a ill million dollar giveaway on Facebook. Yo, you got to look it up on YouTube. It's very interesting. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this, you know, because in one instant, if she was doing the job correctly, meaning that the people were seeing their revenue, seeing changes, like seeing improvements in the city, then her tactics would be amazing. You know, like she kind of is very animated, theatrical. She came in there like um, Nino Brown off of, um, God damn it, Juice. Not the Juice. What was that movie? Gosh, I'm getting them all mixed up. Mixed up. You know what the Carter, Wesley Snipes was Nino Brown. Yeah, she came in dressed up like him with the Wattwallers. Like, you have my money playing Rihanna. I thought that was funny. I can't lie, y'all. My opinion, guys, my opinion. I thought it was funny. Now, if she was doing things to show improvement in the community, a gesture like that would have come off like, hey, she's no joke, but she has a sense of humor. But I guess because it's not the case, it kind of came off very narcissistic and um, cold to the civilians or the citizens of the village that she's the mayor of. <clears throat> but then I said, shit, this girl got me impressed. I'm about to run for mayor of my little town. Like, what the hell? I should run for mayor at this rate because anybody could get the job. And I'm highly intelligent. No, no cap. I should go ahead and run. But I think all stories like this it's going to possibly, probably, hopefully not, but probably make people look side-eye at other future potential black women that may run for political offices, um, into integral positions in government, um, federal, just anything, because they see that as is a different battery that's being operated over there, right? And um, so we're going to leave Chicago alone for a minute because I thought that was interesting for sure. But I'm saying to myself, like, what's going on? Like, the everyone else in the state of Illinois, I guess, and the other people in the town that are in positions are fighting to get Miss Henyard or Mayor Henyard out of office because they're saying that she's very volatile. She uses the city's expenses as her personal spending account. And um, she's just very irresponsible with the finances. And she doesn't let like the treasurers handle it or, you know, the certain people who are delegated and responsible to handle certain things. She oversteps them and, you know, just does what she want to do by like $200,000 Yukon Denali's, like four of them. I don't know. I might be exaggerating. Um, Got her special boyfriend on detail, head of security slash police department. There's a whole bunch of mayhem going on there. And I always notice as a man mixed up as a you know, benefit or a benefactor of the mayhem. And speaking of men benefiting 
from the mayhem, we're going to leave Chicago for a little bit, you know, because I'm just going through a few things and then I'm going to give my opinions at the end. And these are my opinions. So don't come for me, anyone. This is not like I have a vendetta against anyone. And it might not be bad. You might agree with me. So who knows? But um, <clears throat> we go down to Georgia. A couple of years ago, um, Fanny Willis, I think her name is, made a big splash on the scene as being the DA in charge of bringing the RICO charges against YFN Lucci and then um, YSL, which is Young Thug, Gunna, all of them. So these young men from Atlanta, ironically the ones that are rapping and, you know, making a way for themselves and their families, right? Um, she put them away, just threw them away. Um, YFN Lucci just got sentenced, if I'm not mistaken, to like 10 years, and now it's Young Thug's turn. Right. So some people are like, oh, wow, she's getting the drugs off the street. She's getting the gangs off the street. And if they're the ones that's in charge of it and they're the ones behind all of the mayhem in Atlanta, then good job, Fanny Willis. Good job. But um, and this is where like for me I, and this is where I will circle back on my opinions in the end. For me, I was kind of like, well, damn, I didn't know that it was like that. You know, with those guys, I thought they were really good artists and I like their songs, etc. So, damn, if that was the case. And I'm like, that's messed up. Just as they were getting themselves out of that, they get pulled back in, right? And then on the other side, I was like, I guess she's doing her job. So, I mean, who am I to say that she's wrong or right? I guess she's doing her job, right? Then she took out another charge or another case against Donald Trump for voters fraud, I believe, in her district. And that kind of threw me for a loop because I said, I get it, voters fraud. I know that a lot of people want to like, you know, they hate Trump, they're against Trump, so they're going to, you know, take stands. And I was like, damn, this DA is not playing around. She's going right up to the top. She went for Trump. And was I supporting her? Was I, you know, honestly, I was side-eyeing it. I was like, this... It's interesting. So you jump from Young Thug to Trump. Okay, whatever. I'm not in Georgia. I can't say she's right or wrong. She she knows what she's doing. I'm going to leave it at that. So, boom. Left it at that. Then, it comes out that she was messing with a married man who happens to be one of the lead attorneys on the Donald Trump case. The most expensive biggest budgeted case on her roster and she's paying him super duper money and then because they're in an extramarital affair at this time I guess to prevent all paper trails she would make him I don't know make reservations and then she would pay him back for it so it wouldn't seem like she was using his money for vacation is mayhem and madness. And to me, I feel like, aha, now it makes sense. Why are you going after all these big spotlight cases, you know, like young thug, Donald Trump. It makes sense because you want the big payday. You really don't care about the justice or the people or the communities that you serve. 
So the dude that she was messing with, the lead attorney on her case or whatever for Donald Trump, he, his wife, he's going through a divorce. So his soon to be ex-wife put into her deposition, hey, yeah, Fannie Willis um, funds my husband's lifestyle. She gives him money off the book. Blew the whistle. All of the details, I'm paraphrasing guys. So... I'm going to throw a big allegedly in there because I don't have no horse in the race. But what I will say is, um, it's interesting. She's, and then, so then the crazy thing about it is, cause you know, they say character, right? They say the biggest witness that could show up for you is your character. Right. And, um, you hear, they always say, Oh, character witness, but no, the biggest witness that can show up for you is your character, how you present yourself. Right. So this guy who's supposed to be the lead attorney on the Donald Trump voting fraud case in Atlanta appointed by Fannie Williams, AKA his lover, He did not give me good, strong lawyer vibes at all. So now I watch the lead attorney on YouTube. Like I told you at the beginning of this episode here, I'm a YouTube head. I love YouTube. I plan to build my presence on YouTube more with this podcast as well. But I'm baby steps. But I still love YouTube. That's probably something I watch more than regular TV or whatever. So anyway, the lead attorney, he's a great YouTuber. Um, he's an actual lawyer and he breaks down cases and stuff like that. If you just listen to him and and I'm not trying to really, even though this is a compliment for him, but I'm not bandwagoning, dick riding, nothing like that. This is just a compliment, a thorough compliment. And from someone who has been told often that I should be a lawyer because the way I break things, break things down, um, you respect that articulation and you respect the education and the knowledge, right? So I'll sit there and watch a lead attorney live. Sometimes he'll go in like four hours. He'll start wilding and start getting crazy with his, you know, um, back and forth with the women and then I'll, okay, I'll tune out from there. Cause that's not really what I'm there for. But, um, he, you can tell was a lawyer. He breaks down things like well-educated man. And I'm not taking nothing away from Nathan Wade. That's the guy's name in Georgia. Who's also a lawyer that he's supposed to be on this Trump voting case. But, um, his demeanor was not a confident one when he was testifying on his behalf. And, his, there was no articulation there. Like he could not, like he was stumbling over his words. They had to ask him to repeat himself a couple of times. Maybe he was nervous. So I'm not going to hold that a hundred percent against him. Maybe he was nervous. Right. But, um, I don't think he did too much to support Fannie Willis's case. He kind of like threw her under the bus in my opinion. So I guess she caught wind of dude's testimony and how like, Hey, didn't look pretty. So she comes down to clean it up and she's like, I was, I ran to the courtroom to give my testimony to tell you what's going on. Boom, boom, boom. And I don't think it helped her out too much. Now, depending on what circle you're in, right? Because, um, 
one thing I noticed in life right now is a lot of, you know, the, the rhetoric is, is there where they'd be like angry black woman. Right. And it's sometimes myself included can get caught up in the rhetoric and be the angry black woman because of gaslighting, because of people just really doubting your intelligence and judging the book by the cover and not reading it cover to cover. Right. So that can frustrate you and it, uh, it cause you to be more vocal about something or certain things. Right. But um, in this instance, she came down there full black mode on full black woman, angry black woman mode on like, you not going to tell me and uh, uh, let the objection. I object. Like, you know, you are on the witness stand. I didn't know you could object from the witness stand, but I digress. Um, and then she made a comment about the dude. Like, I guess this comment was supposed to support her reasoning for giving him the cash versus not. And I'm paraphrasing. She said something to the effect of, oh, Mr. Wade told me that that a woman can't do nothing for him but make a sandwich. So I went ahead and, you know, I reimbursed him for my trips. So because he says a woman can't do nothing for him. So, you know, like trying to, I guess that statement was supposed to justify her paying him for their love affair, which is technically what she was doing paying him for her love affair because he said a woman can't do nothing for him but make a sandwich make that make sense so this is the dude you're risking it all for now he could have said it right because men know you know people i'm not gonna just say men people are comfortable with who they're comfortable with and they'll say what they say in that capacity when they are comfortable understand he did not look comfortable he was stuttering he was nervous but he was also polite and he was also I'm not gonna say he wasn't well spoken but um you could tell he was under a little bit of duress there right he's being interrogated about an affair he had and money he received during that affair while simultaneously going through a divorce with a woman who blew this all up for him so yeah he's in a hot seat so um I guess she comes to the rescue with her neck swinging, attitude, rolling eyes, cutting the lawyer off. You know, you ain't can't tell me nothing. Ah. And she says, it's nothing. He says, nothing a woman could do for him but make him a sandwich. If you saw her face when she said that, this is just my opinion, guys. This is just my opinion. I feel like she was trying to send that shot out to dude's ex-wife or soon-to-be ex-wife. Like, you can't do nothing for him but make a sandwich. But, honey, I guess you can't make sandwiches because you're paying him. All right, make that make sense. So, that's not cool. People should be with each other because they want to be with each other. And if dude is married, I mean, you know... That just adds fire and fuel to the flames. That shouldn't have been lit. And now you are under the microscope. Not only because of Young Thug. Not only because of you're dating a lawyer in your office or whatever. And he's married and the wife exposed y'all. But because you try to go after Trump for the voting fraud. That... The state of Georgia, if I'm not, and correct me, guys, if I'm wrong, because I don't live in Georgia, 
the state of Georgia said was not illegal, the tactics that was used. Okay, maybe go after the state of Georgia first. I don't know. I'm not defending Trump. This is not that. This is not that at all. But what I'm saying is... um. You kind of put a bigger spotlight on yourself by doing that. If you would have just kind of worked your way up the ranks, you know, did what you were supposed to do. If the case is legit against Young Thug and them, prove it, get it done, on to the next, show that you're really about cleaning up your community. But you can't be about, and this is my opinion, you can't be about cleaning up the community if you're in out there wrecking homes in the community. That's weird. So I thought that was interesting, you know, that, um, and there's a couple more cause like I told you, and I want to shout out, like I shout out the lead attorney just now, shout out pink book lessons. You know, she'd be doing her thug thizzle over there on YouTube and she's really great at capturing all of these individuals like this that are very interestingly placed in important or high positions and they're really kind of ghetto mummified, like. Really. And I think that that's, that's what I wanted to circle back on. I think that's the problem with the black woman representation in America. We get two types. We get the ghetto twerk, twerk, pussy out type, right? So you're hypersexualized. Or you get the, I don't know, I don't care what you're saying. I'm loud black woman and I'm going to tell you about me and you and cuss you out. And you can't tell me how to raise my kids or who to vote for or where, what, or whatever. Those are the two types. And I'm noticing the latter, the angry black mama type, that's loud and roll her eyes, shake her head, cuss you out. They're moving up into prominent positions, mayors lawyers, doctors, they're moving up, but they're still keeping that energy, but they're moving up into those prominent positions. So that lets me say, huh, could it be the world at large, corporate America, whoever thinks that's a strong trait in black women to be sassy and cuss you out and get loud? Now don't get me wrong. I'm a whole rapper. So not only can I get loud, I could cuss you out and do all that. But these days, I'm trying to promote positivity, unity in the community. And also, I think it's a need for our image to change. You know, we need like a rebranding of the black woman. Can we have a happy medium? Not everyone is a twerk fester. And not everyone is hypersexualized. And not everyone is sassy and got the neck rolled down and want to cuss you out just for saying hello. Now, a lot of us have been through shit. Yes. So we have PTSD. Yes. But I also know that I've learned over the years that um, I learned of a thing called projection, right? You tend to project how you're feeling or how you feel, how you believe you're being treated onto others, right? Because you want them to feel what you feel. But with that, we lose sight of what we're doing. We're not um, getting the proper attention or care. And, um, we end up looking like the villains at all times, you know? So now it's to the point that, um, in my opinion, you know, from Kamala Harris on down, there's a lot of black women that are being discredited, you know, are they great? Perhaps. Have they done great things? Perhaps. Are they educated? Perhaps. But 
it's not what's bubbling to the top for these women. What's bubbling to the top is, oh, Kamala Harris had the hip hop 50th anniversary party at her house, but we ain't seen her through any of this migrant stuff, any of this inflation, any of these student loan concerns. She's MIA, but she can show up to throw us a hip hop party. You know, the mayor in Dalton right now, um, the, the earlier I was saying how the Yukons and the Denali's and she's spending $200,000 on these type of vehicles. So she can be, um, having a security detail ride around with her and she looks like the president type of thing. Now they're being repossessed. Let me, let me go back. I remember in the nineties and I don't know because you know, I, I stay by myself these days, you know, so I don't really know what people do and I don't really try to be in to what people are doing. But I remember it was a time when I was in um, my late twenties, you know, whatever I seen um, that, you know, and right now is even coined the income tax thing where you see quote unquote baby mothers get their income tax. And the first thing they do is buy a really nice car, right? That has a car note that you have to pay every month in order to sustain owning the car. By summertime, the car is repossessed. They have, they're back to square one. And then when the income tax time come around, they do it again to be repossessed in six months time. And there's a life cycle. And I've seen that happen quite a, quite a bit in my heyday. Has it happened to me? No, I don't have children. So nine times out of 10, I'm always paying IRS. So there you go. But, um, yeah, so it happens, right? Depending on your financial situation, You know, I've seen it happen to people I know, right? And I've so much so seen it happen so much to the point that now in 2024, you see all the jokes and all the memes about um, tax time. You know, all the black guys get the fat white girls because it's tax time, tax times, or not even white girls, it's fat girls in general because it's tax times. You see all the baby mothers getting new cars because it's tax time and new weaves. That's, that's the jokes that you see. But it seems like, um, the mayor of Dalton, I think that's the town, the village of Dalton. Yeah. So Tiffany Henyard is now getting vehicles repossessed. Like she's a baby mama hit in June because of the vehicles. So to me, that's not financially, financially savvy thinking. Right. Like as a mayor, I'm going to do some baby mama tactics and use the budget to get Denali's that I can't afford, much less the city can't afford. And now they're being repossessed. There you go. So how is this making sense? Like how are people feeling like these are the people that need to be in charge? Right. Oh, because, um, such and such was in a sorority. We got to vote for her. Do you know how many sorority sisters I've seen beef with each other in the same sorority? Come on. That's the biggest. So one of the, one of the memes I seen, you know, me all over the internet, I saw a meme that I was like, I felt that in my soul. Oh, not even was a meme. It was like a stitch where it was like, what's the biggest lie you were told in the black community? And then the girl stitched in like, oh, here goes one, um, brunches. Oh, what's the biggest scam in black communities? And she was like, brunches being thrown by popular mean girls. And I was like, wow, that's so true. Because when you think about it, the pictures look beautiful 
And this is any group of women anywhere USA, right? So this is not any particular person, any particular celebrity, nothing. Any group of women anywhere USA, you go on Instagram, you see their girls trips. It looks nice. They don't tell you about all of the craziness until they get back and who fought who. We even seen the poor girl who lost her life last year, taking friends to Mexico on a trip that she paid for and they was jealous of her and killed her and got away with it. Um, what else? Jealousy, right? I've seen, you know, sorority sisters go at it. I've seen, um, yeah, all the brunch pictures will look great, but then go to work on Monday. You hear them telling like, oh, so-and-so was acting real ghetto at the brunch. So-and-so didn't even have enough money. So-and-so couldn't afford it. I had to cover so-and-so. I was so embarrassed. Did you see what she was wearing? Yeah, those are the aftermath conversations of those beautiful pictures of the Sunday brunch, you know. And I'm not down in anyone's brunch. I've been to quite a few brunches that were nice, elegant, and the vibes were on were spot on. But you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean. You know, a lot of the people that, a lot of the women that promote womanhood, sisterhood, a lot of women that promote, oh, Black women stick together. We stronger together. Those are the ones that do the most damage to each other. Okay. Cause there's a lot of women in the city of Dalton that are secretaries, treasuries, councilmen's, you know, delegates that are here in city hall to help support the mayor and get the city taken care of and all the needs of the city met. And she cusses them out like she slept with their baby daddy or something. And she got beef with them on the street. She do ghetto stuff like move their desk out into the parking lot and lock the doors on them. That's not professional. And that's not a woman of a high standard, in my opinion. Like, I don't know her. And I don't care. Like, it's just my opinion. I don't think that's high standard. But on the contrary of it, though, if you're not like that, they think you're weak. And I noticed that, especially like in corporate America and apparently in judicial systems and the government. If you are a sassy black woman, head nods, eye rolls, loud talking, and sound ignorant and halfway sound like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, that's acceptable because that's what they see you know, that fits the stereotype of the black woman. Then here comes my old unicorn ass, you know, who I can speak. I'm intelligent. I don't have to tell you what I can speak like. I don't even have to. I'm not even trying to fit into the norms of wearing weaves and doing all this other stuff to fit in. I just tread my own path, try my own thing, and I'm myself. And so many people try to dissect me every corner. I go every every which way I turn because I'm not a baby mother because I'm in a lasting relationship with a black man. So I don't hate black men. I, um, financially in a, you know, good way because I've learned the lessons. Unfortunately, I didn't have, you know, my parents weren't there. To, they were there, but they didn't teach me that. Cause that's basically the norm in the black community. You got to figure it out on your own. I had to. And I did, you know, well, what I try to change now with the younger generation is I try to help them and show them it's a different way. You don't got to go so hard in the paint and you don't got to struggle and be homeless in the street either, you know, cause I've been on both sides of that fence and it's not pretty, you know? So, um, so 
because I have more compassion for the world because I see beyond the regular bullshit. A lot of people think that I'm weird or I'm a weirdo and they try to provoke me. But when they provoke me, it's like a different type of, you know, response. I almost respond like a man. You know what I'm saying? Like I might fight you and throw you down a flight of steps. And that's not nice to say. And I'm not proud of that. That probably would have been me more like 20 years ago. Not today. Today I'm more so like wrapping rings around you verbally and then making you apologize. Even if you didn't realize you were fucking up. Now you do. You're welcome. I forgive you. (laughs) You know, versus, you know, resorting or leading with violence or leading with anger. You know, I'm not going to say I'm haven't done it. I'm guilty. I've done it. And I just to be on the other side and see the results I've gotten from that type of approach versus the results I get from my current everyday life living, my current approach, different apples and oranges, night and day, you know, and I notice what I've come to learn is society at large wants black women to be angry. So they force us into the whole stereotype and the rhetoric. Even if you don't want to be, you just show up on a scene, you black, oh, girl, what you doing? And start talking. Did I talk to you like that? Did I come in here and say, oh, girl, what's going on? You know, did I come in here like that? No. Why are you talking to me like that? Black, white, whoever you are. Why are you talking to me like that? Did I switch it up to talk to you? No. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, we got to stop entertaining that so we can remove those stereotypes from us. Because it's like right now, what I feel like it's like, it's like the boy who cried wolf. Okay. We had all these angry black women. Oh, she's a strong black sister. Ah, ah, ah. And we pushed them up to the front, pushed them up to the front. So that's what the world thinks of us. That's what they think. Every black woman is either twerking like Megan the Stallion in them or being angry and hypersexual and sneaky like Fanny Willis and Tiffany Hendred in them. And I'm going to throw Kamala in there too. I don't care what y'all say. I don't care. So it's like, there's no happy medium. There's no, none of us like these are our only two options and it's not. And then if you look on both sides of that fence, both of them be beefing with their own selves, like, you know, other women, you know, they go all out and make a massive accommodations for men who they claim they don't like, who they claim they're so independent of and don't need. They'll make super accommodations for them, super forgivable, any of their transgressions, but towards each other zero tolerance, very vicious, very nasty. But then they'll pose an Instagram picture and it's all love. Hey, brunch, girls trip, 24. Knowing you don't like each other. Knowing you wasn't cool. Knowing this girl took your man or whatever. You know, it's it's, it's interesting times that we're living in. And I feel like we got to be aware, especially us black women right now, And black men, I'm not going to just isolate this to black women. The reason why I'm saying black women is because they're throwing us under the bus with this stereotype of we're angry. We don't need no man. We're independent. F black man. And throwing our community and our partners under the bus. 
You know what I'm saying? Because guess what? When you, surprisingly or not, regardless of whatever people want to say, you know, the ratio, the success rate of men dating outside of their race, black men in particular, is a, a higher success. Well, I'm not going to say success rate. It's a higher rate of it being done, meaning that they're able to go from one community to the another, to another, regardless if the relationship is successful or not, if it's a good one or not, because that still boils down to the individual and that person, but they can maneuver through different cultures, different communities. And Women, black women, we too can maneuver through different cultures and different communities, but guess what is hard to do? Maneuver while ghetto. Maneuver while ghetto. I'm going to leave that with y'all. Let y'all think about that and think what I mean. I want y'all to, on this episode, because if y'all don't know, on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, and of course on YouTube right now, you can interact with me. So if you're listening to the episode here and you're like, maneuver while ghetto, what does that mean? I want you to type it in there. Tell me right now, what do you think I mean by saying that? That it's hard to maneuver while ghetto. All right. So now back to what I was saying. Um, I also noticed, interestingly enough, speaking of girls trips and stuff, I noticed that there's a lot of bands, right? Um, a lot of the bands, a lot of people are like, oh, the passport bros are ruining it for everyone. Okay, fair, fair. But this one, I'm not even talking about the passport bros. They're talking about the black American women that come over there to their countries with their nasty attitudes and hypersexual activities, twerking, bending down, standing under the table at the dinner time, twerking, and doing stuff that's not part of these people's culture. And they're putting travel bans on that shit too. So it's going to be a point in time if y'all don't recognize that. Black people ain't going to be able to go nowhere, even if though we're from everywhere, okay? And that's why more and more lately, I emphasize and I stress, I am Caribbean. I am Jamaican first. American, I live here, yes. But I do not want to get it confused and twisted that everybody is the same, because we really are not. And it comes down to it more when you see things like this. Jamaica put a ban. Certain resorts in Jamaica said that they're being very selective about black American guests. In particular, black women that come down for girls trips and get rude, get loud, argumentative with the people. In some cases, fighting the people. They don't want no parts of it. That's Jamaica. And Jamaica's a very tough country, meaning that you can't do too much. The whole fucking town will come out and fight you type shit. And they're like, we just don't even want to deal with it anymore. And then there's other countries. So the passport bros are doing their part. The girls trippers are doing their part to make it look like, yo, we have no home training. We have no sense of self. 
And you know how that saying goes, wherever you go, there you are. People always think that they can change their atmosphere or they can change their appearance and it's going to just make everything reset. Like we start over fresh, but if you don't really do the shadow work and if you really don't do the inner work on changing then it won't be no change. There's none, no change. And I think that's what we have to recognize. So people be like, oh, I don't hang out. I change the weather. I go to different countries, but you going over there with your same self. They don't want that. You see what I'm saying? You are going over there with your same self. Maneuver while ghetto. It can't be done. You see what I'm saying? So, yes, you spoke a good game to get the job as a mayor, but you brought your same self into office. It's crazy. So, um, I'm going to, I'm, cause I told you I've been overstimulated and I'm doing these little opinion pieces and just dropping them off. You know what I'm saying? That we're going to go into some more urban celebrity crimes series. Because uh, I got a couple of those for you. And we're going to do some more. But this one is not going to be long at all. It's just a little thought. You know, like. My, so these are my takeaways that I want you to have from this episode. Why is it that the ghetto's rising to the top? And when I say ghetto, I'm talking about the behavior. All that stuff is being praised. You know, simultaneously, while degrees and everything that you might have worked hard for no longer holds weight, you know, but okay. So yeah, why is that? Because I can tell you honestly, I know some people that were highly intelligent, never had a degree and they should have been running the business versus who was, but I digress. So, okay. Why is that though? Why do... The angry black woman stereotype holds so much power over, you know, corporate America, the government, judicial systems, whatever, that they always run to the black woman, the angry black woman, the, um, you know, cuss you out. I don't give a damn black woman, the sassy black woman gets pushed up to the top. Whereas the one who's logically speaking and probably have some plausible arguments is looked at as they're crazy. It's looked at as they're unintelligent. People would even try to talk you out of your senses because they you're not agreeing with them because you have your own mind. Why is that? Why is that? Am I reaching? Am I bugging out? Anyway, like I said, this one is not going to be a long one, but I just really, really wanted to, um, to de- to touch on that. You know what I'm saying? Because you see it a lot. You see it a lot. You see a lot of, um, I, I don't even know how to say it. So like, just to even go a little bit deeper, right? This is not the time and take this as you will. Okay, you can look on YouTube, you can look at um, just the climate of the world we're living in, not just America, but the climate of the world we're living in. This is not the time to have personal beefs. And this is not the time to have personal vendettas and divide us even further. This is the time to unite and come together because it's strength in numbers. And 
I'm talking specifically to black women on this episode, but overall to everyone, right? Because a house divided can never conquer nothing, right? So we have to do our part to recognize and see that, hey, the house is being divided and we got to bring it back together. That's the first and foremost part. The second part is um, we need to be more aware. Like I know everyone who've worked in corporate America anyway has encountered that um, black woman, very intimidating, very aggressive talking, and almost got that just amount of hood splashed in their aura. And then you're like convinced, oh, so-and-so is no joke. We just want to stay out of her way, right? And they become a larger-than-life, scary entity that you are scared to approach, you don't want to approach, and you'll dodge at all costs. I know I've been at several companies and experienced this black woman. Some people might be like, oh, that was you, Colleen, but correction, I've never been in a leadership position where I wasn't a thorough leader and I would serve before leading, if that makes any sense. And if you're a real leader, you know what I'm talking about. That's going to be the next response. Serve before leading. What does that mean to you? So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I've seen that and I dodged it at all costs. And then some people would come to me and be like, well, why are you so antisocial? Like, why are you, because I don't want to get caught up in your crosshairs because you'll pull at me and poke at me and poke at me until I really let you know that I'm not weak and I'm not the one. And then now I'm labeled the angry black woman. You got it. It's very, uh, it's a thin line to walk on and it's very, very thin. It's a thin thread, right? Very delicate subject. But, um, yeah, you can go from being Oh my God, this is ghetto to being viewed as ghetto like this, like just like that. You know why? Because they already have the bigger stereotype of angry black woman. And one little thing that you do check off the box for them. And now you're an angry black woman. But, um, why are the, why are these women getting opportunities? It's almost like the oppressor are using them to continue to oppress others. Hmm. That's an interesting take on it, right? The oppressor could be using them to oppress others. Now let's think about it. Like the small village had money. They worked hard. They, they prided themselves on being able to take care of the citizens of the village of Dalton. Now they're, they're virtually bankrupt. And she doesn't give a damn. You know, Fannie Willis is sugar mommering up her sugar baby and swears up and down she's not. And in the midst of it still has time to throw a shot at his soon-to-be ex-wife, which didn't land, boo-boo. It was a boomerang. It came back to you. You look stupid. Because I wish somebody would say that to me. Oh, nothing that a woman could do for me but make my sandwich. Well, nigga, you ain't never going to get the sandwich made by me if that's the case. You see what I'm saying? So we got to be very, very discerning with everything. 
that we're doing right now, who you endorse, who you support, who you ride with, who you have representing you. And y'all take that however y'all want to take that. But it's a serious time that we're living in. So while people, like for real, when people call me on the phone, it's one thing to say, hey, how you doing? Boom, boom, boom. I love that. Because I love to hear how people are doing and I'll check in on people. But when you're calling me to gossip, when you're calling me to put someone down, throw someone underneath the bus, or you're calling to kind of find out or see if you could pick things about what I'm doing or what's going on in my life, that's the quickest and fastest express lane to shut down that you'll ever get from me. And I'm not talking about just within a conversation, just period. Like, I don't want to be around you. I don't care blood or not. Like, you you'll, won't see me for another 10 years. Straight up. And you'll see me every 10 years. Straight up. And everyone's like, uh, oh, okay. Listen, another 10 years before you see me. Because it's not that time. I'm in a space where I want to be great. You know, I want us all to be great. But I can't wish for us all to be great if I'm not doing my part to contribute to the greatness. Right? So that's what I'm doing. I'm doing my part to contribute to the greatness as I think we all should. You know, and this is crazy because I talked about Whitney. I don't know if it was this episode, but Whitney Houston been on my mind. And um, yeah, I'm going to end this show with Whitney Houston. I'm every woman, you know, because we are every woman, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, African. We're all every woman and every woman in every culture has their own certain things and hurdles and frustrations that they have to deal with. But I can't represent every other woman right now. I can represent me and my culture, which is Jamaican first, black woman, you know, for sure. And um, we got to be a little bit more discerning. We got to be, I'm not saying we all got to unite and sing Kumbaya because for real, I feel like that's a lot of BS. I'd rather the realness of we being like, yo, check this out. We're not friends, but if we got to fight, I'm going to pick up the weapon and fight with you. I'm not fighting you. You see what I'm saying? You see the difference in that? We don't have to be friends, but we got to know and recognize who the enemy is and fight accordingly. If not, we'll continue to fight each other, destroy each other, and have nothing in the end. Nothing. But stereotypes and negative images and that are pushed on us, forced on us, and we're forced to accept. No. It's a, everyone, every other culture is changing their rhetoric. Let's do so too. You know, and we don't have to stand there. We're not the cape. We're not the superhero. We don't have to fight for every other race. We never put ourselves first. Let's start doing that now, but in a good way. Okay. And we also got to be discerning, you know, just because she's sassy and loud and can cuss you out at 90 words per minute doesn't mean she's the right one for the job. Just because she has a scary brooding personality doesn't necessarily mean she's a leader, you know? And, um, I think just go over the pink book lessons on YouTube. You'll see a lot of it. The lead attorney, he's covering Fannie Willis's, um, court situation. So he has a couple of insights up there. Plus, or you just Google their names and you'll see it. 
you know. And I did a couple of episodes. I would throw her in here again real quick too because that went away really quickly. But that teacher from Augusta, I think, Georgia, that she went viral for the Jack Harlow What's Poppin', but then she came back and was low-key sleeping with one of her students, and she is married, just had a baby, all this other stuff. And apparently she comes from some influence in her town because it was swept under the rug, never happened. And it was a lot of other viral moments like T.D. Jakes and Puffy and a couple other things happening at the time. So she, she dodged a bullet. But that was another one for me. Like here she is in, in, we're trusting our children with her. We're trusting that she's a positive, influential black woman. But in hindsight, she's just super hypersexual and ghetto like the rest of them. And when I say ghetto, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. And that go, that, that goes back to my original question. Can we maneuver while ghetto? Maneuver while ghetto. All right, let's talk about that. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you got dreads clean. You rap. You smoke weed. Yeah, you ghetto. No, no, I'm not. And um, if you was to put me up next to a truly ghetto person, you will see it. You'd be like, oh, yeah, no, by far not. And there's nothing wrong because I love ghetto. I love hood. I, well, let me take it back. I love hood shit. I don't love ghetto shit. But when I say hood shit, that's kind of like in the realm of hip hop, urban situations you know like I love the soulful spot in the hood they tend to be better you know I love I was thinking the other day like how when I was in Virginia my whole world was black people like I worked at Bank of America black people I worked anywhere I worked it was sprinkles of white people in there but my whole world was 99% black Communities, great apartments, great neighborhoods, houses, black people, nice cars, black people, you know, and it, and I didn't really understand how great I had it until moving to Florida. And don't get me wrong, I think Florida is great for other things, but I do miss the community of black people. Like my community of black people, I guess the community I created in Virginia, you know, but, um, I do miss that. Like, and I don't get me wrong. I have a mixed community of friends there and here. Like it's not just black people I hung out with or whatever. I miss all my friends. You know, I've had Asian friends, white friends, Spanish friends. The list goes on. You meet everyone. If you have, if you click, you click, you don't, you don't. Right. But, um, I, me personally, I say I miss that, you know, but as you want better, right? As you strive for better, there's going to be a little bit of change in your zip code, a little bit of change in your way of life, the quality of your life, you know? So you can say, yeah, I love the hood. I love black people. I love ghetto shit. I love going to the hood to get ghetto food. But then you have to stop and say, hey, is this food really good? Is it healthy for me or is it just what I could afford because that was the environment I was in? Hey, is this really safe to be out here like this? Because once you start knowing your worth and you know your value, anyway, you know you got shit to lose, hanging out in certain spots just won't cut it. You know, when you were young, you take the risk, but now you're like, mm, I can't afford the risk. 
Excuse me, sir. I'm going to go over here to my five-star dining restaurant, have lunch, dinner, go about my business. You know what I'm saying? Like your life changed as it should, as it should. So, um, yeah, I think that's another thing for that we should think about, you know, in this quest of growth. Like, why are we still glorifying some of the ghetto stuff? You know what I'm saying? Why do our leaders have to be ghetto in order for them to, in order for us to feel like they're going to work on our behalf? I think that's what we've been messing up the whole time, y'all. You know what I'm saying? But, um, I feel myself going to a rant, so I'm about to end this here. And like I said, I'm going to drop Whitney Houston, I'm every woman after this, because I believe that I am every woman and you are every woman. And with every woman consists every facet of a woman. So you can have a little ghetto, you can have a little mama in you, you could have a little um, positive you know, Glenda the good witch, you can have some of the bad witch, you can be a little bit of a little bit of it all. That's what every woman is, you know, but we have to start playing on our positive strengths and stop letting the negative stereotypes rise to the top and bubble to the top for us and represent us. We got to be more, um, in control of our image and we have to be more vigilant with who we give these titles and power to, because I'm just going to say for myself, this is before all of these you know, people started messing up politically on, and you're seeing all their stuff rise to the top in the news. Just me in corporate America. I seen that several times. Like, wow, this is our leader. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'll leave it at that. Cause I don't want no one to feel insulted or feel like it's for anyone in particular. Cause I've seen it. I've seen this several times and it's like, how is this ghetto, ghetto lady leading us? But I'm ghetto and she's not. Wow. I have more professionalism and more, but okay, you know, so we have to stop thinking that that's the only type of black woman that's out there and we have to stop giving them shine, you know, like making it seem like, oh, being ghetto, being loud, being angry, that's going to win us everything because it's not, you know, so y'all until next time, you know how I do tell me what you think. Like I told you, there's a couple of platforms. You can go answer the questions or you can just hit me up directly on Instagram and be like, boom, this is what I felt about that. This is what I felt about that. I welcome all the feedback because I do it for y'all. I, uh, if I'm not doing it for y'all, then I'm just sitting here talking to my damn self and I don't think I'm doing that. The numbers show me I'm not doing that. So I do it for y'all. So y'all talk back to me. Let me know what's going on, talkers, all right? And like I said, if you like this episode, tell a friend. If you don't like this episode, tell a friend. Either way, it's not going to hurt, right? And until next time, spread love because it's the Brooklyn way, even though I'm from the Bronx. Hey, and, um, love yourself. A lot of people be like, oh, that sounds so oxymoron, but yo, check it out. The vibrations and the frequencies. If you love yourself, everything changes. And then you can, you don't have a problem loving no one else. If you hate yourself, guess what you do? Project hate onto others. So if you love yourself, what will happen? You're going to project love onto everyone else. All right. So that's something to think about. And I left y'all a couple of questions in here. So I'm looking forward to the feedback until next time. This is your host, Colleen. She can talk. And from my lips to your ears, I love you. Peace.